Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your Word, that you speak to us through it. And we pray that uh, today as we hear from it, your uh, your words will, will impact our hearts and convict us of truth. Help us to see the glory and goodness of Jesus in our lives and help us to um, be a people that do respond to your word and uh, consider how we can and be challenged by it and live it out in our daily lives. So we do pray for that now as we get into it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm going to put up a picture and I want you guys to tell me who it is. I chose a good one because everyone uses the angry version of her. But who's, who's this person? Yep, Greta Thunberg. I think it's pronounced Thunberg, uh, just because she's Swedish. But Greta Thunberg, uh, she made Person of the Year in Time magazine. Uh, when was it, last year or the year before? Huge household name now. Everyone, everyone, who doesn't know her? Can I ask that question? Everyone knows who she is, right? No? Greta Thunberg? Okay, so there's a couple people who don't know her. Uh, well, she's this young Swedish climate change activist. Right? She's, she's a big deal uh, in the climate change world. Uh, she's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize Award a few times now in the last three years, um, but she's won other awards along the way, so she's quite famous now. Um, she's famous because she goes around telling world leaders that they're not doing a good enough job about the climate change um, thing that's happening, the, the crisis, climate change crisis. They're not doing enough uh, and they're not mature enough to take action. She, she calls them kids often, you know, immature. And that's what I like about Greta, right? She's, uh, she's ad- it's very admirable. She's courageous. She's passionate to speak about uh, her convictions and tell us as it is. Now, one of my favorite speeches, if you go online, you can Google her and you can see some of her speeches or just go on YouTube. I was at the World Economic Forum in 2019. It was called, this, the name of her speech, Our House is on Fire. Our house, the roof is on fire. And she had some these fire quotes. The roof is on fire. You guys know that song, right? Okay, this is what she said in the, in the speech. Adults keep saying we owe it to the young people to give them hope. But I don't want your hope. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day and then I want you to act. I want you to act as if you would in a crisis. I want you to act as if the house was on fire, because it is. Wow, those are fighting words, right? She's, she's, she's courageous, and she's convicted, and she's, she's going to tell it as it is. This, this teenager, man, when I, when I heard that, I was like, wow. Man, she has these good things to say, doesn't she? Uh, very powerful words. She wants people to feel the urgency of the situation with climate change and that our world is suffering. Our world can't keep going on the way it is. We need to make changes. We need to act now because the crisis is already here. Uh, now, that's how I'm not here to talk about climate change, but from the little research I did, um, Greta cares about the world because she cares about people. People are suffering. She acknowledges that again and again in her speeches. Not only that, there'll be no future for people if world leaders don't start acting now to make real changes. Now, there's a lot that we as Christians can actually learn from this feisty teenage Swedish girl. I never thought I'd say that. But as a, as a Christian, am I as convicted of the truths I hold on to? Will the gospel truths I believe in 
impact my life, that I'd be an ambassador of it? Will I play my part in saving our world? And I'm not talking about the, the climate change stuff, which is good and all, but will I play my part in bringing salvation to people? You can take that photo down. Uh, here's the thing, right? Have we considered that God uses us to be messengers, to be passionate advocates for Him in a world that is suffering when the house is on fire? We don't need to do a, to do a Greta and be activists, but we do need to care. We do need to have our convictions about the truths that we possess, and when we do, we'll want to see others saved by God too. We get to be part of that, uh, part of the part of the action in bringing salvation to people, and that's what we're going to discover today in these few uh, verses that we read in chapter ten that Mike read for us. This week really rolls off last week's right in chapter nine. Some of you guys here were here in chapter nine last week, and it was a challenge for many of us, wasn't it? Uh, we heard about God's unconditional election and how those uh, who have faith in him are those who have already been chosen and elected in him. We heard about how God has this, this sovereign um, choosing. He elects some as recipients of mercy, and he has done that from the beginning of time. We don't know who they are, who are his people, but he as our maker has predestined, these big words, those who belong to him through the saving work of Jesus. So that was what we talked about last week. It was a challenge for many of us. And, and I'm sure you guys have discussed it in your small groups throughout the week, your missional communities as well. Now, the reality is not everyone does receive, um, respond to God's calling, do they? And while God, while God has sent His Son Jesus, and Jesus' death and resurrection is sufficient for all people, it only applies to those who actually put their faith in Him. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, uh, but the whole idea of our church, Providence, that name itself means God governs and has planned out all things, including bringing those to Him who are His children. He has predestined and planned it all out since the start. That's providence. Now, he, here's the thing. We're actually included in that process of providence. It's a beautiful thing that uh, we get to be included in His grand sovereign narrative of redemption. How we receive it, respond to it, though, uh, we have a responsibility we play a part in that. When we've been exposed to the gospel, when we've been given this treasured truth, we have to act. Like Greta, we have to have our convictions, and then we'll act. And so this is where it starts. Uh, what we read earlier, uh, what we didn't read earlier in chapter 10 before verse 9, is that he speaks, he, Paul, Paul, the author of Romans, he speaks about the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, they've received salvation now. You know, God's plan was to save the Jews, but now Gentiles are included in that plan of salvation. They've also been elected, predestined through their faith in Jesus. Salvation has always come through faith and trust. We can be saved through trusting God, trusting Jesus. And Jesus himself was the one who fulfilled all the things that God expected of his people. He fulfilled the laws perfectly. He died for humankind, took the sin of humankind. He was resurrected, raised again to conquer sin, conquer guilt and shame. And so then when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, who's done the work on our behalf, we can be saved. Right? And so he goes to, we're here in verse 9 now. This is what he says in verse 9. You, you can follow along in your Bibles. It says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Wow, this is coming off chapter 9, 
where he said God chooses us, and God is the one who um, moves our hearts to respond to him. But now he's saying, but we too play a part in responding to God. Both hand in hand happens. God chooses, and we have a responsibility to respond, to believe in our hearts, and with our mouths confess, profess our faith. Right? This is really interesting. Here, there's this principle that we have to hold that predestination is part of it. That God, from God's perspective, He does predestine those who are His. But from our perspective, as human beings living in this world with our uh, limited free will that we have, we have to make real choices, don't we? We have to believe. Believe in Jesus. Put our faith in Him. Now, now does that sound so hard to believe? Uh, it might sound crazy to you, but that's actually quite offensive to the, the first generation of, of, Jewish, uh, of believers and also to the Jews here. Just believe, uh, especially to the Jews, because their whole system of being saved was through the law system, through following laws on the law of God. Just believing can save me. What about everything I was taught since I was a kid, everything my family's taught me, everything my family does for the, for the law, for God's laws, to, to fulfill that? It would be quite hard to hear, hard to digest. But then you ask someone today in 2021, oh, just believe. That sounds really easy, doesn't it? Oh, I can just believe in God and I'll be saved. It doesn't sound difficult. It sounds quite simple. Just believe. But honestly, if I were to ask anyone in this room, believing in Jesus, putting your faith in him, that's actually not that easy, is it? Honestly. To confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and to believe that, it's not an easy thing to do. Sure, it's easy to give lip service to things. I can say things. I can say KFC is the best fried chicken around. I can say, hey, you look really good in those sneakers. I can say, you totally pull off that smock. And I can say, I love tacos. And you believe me, right? But to say Jesus is Lord, it's not something that I'm just going to give lip service to, is it? It's not a trivial matter. It's not the same way as I talk about the fried chicken that I love. Jesus is Lord. It's something interesting, isn't it? Uh, do you guys find it hard to say that sometimes? To say Jesus is Lord, to confess it out loud? Like you say it in here in your head, and you might say it in your heart, but to actually say it out loud, yeah, Jesus is, is Lord over my life. When was the last time you said it out loud to someone? To, to, to someone who isn't in the church as well. To tell your non-Christian friend or your colleague at work, yeah, Jesus is my Lord. It's scary, isn't it? Because you're going to be held accountable to that. Jesus is your Lord. Wow, okay. I hope your lifestyle reflects that. We're scared of saying that, aren't we? I think it's easy to give lip service, but do we actually believe it? Believe what we say. Believe what we, how we live, what we, what we believe. <laughs> it's a good question to ask. How is Jesus going as your Lord? You see, the word Lord here in this context, right, it's, it's the Greek word. Uh, it's the same word that they would use to describe like the Roman emperor. He's the Lord, like um, the Caesar, you know, of the time in the Roman, Holy, uh, the, the Roman Empire, sorry. They would have this um, same title, Lord, which is sort of has this connotation of the supreme ruler, supreme leader, right? The one who governs the world, essentially. The supreme leader sounds like, it sounds like an evil dictator, doesn't it? Like Hitler or Stalin or the North Korean president, the supreme leader, worship him, right? But the word Lord here is really referring to Jesus. Uh, it, it's anything but an evil dictator. It's actually a reference to God's name in the Old Testament, this idea of Lord. It's God. 
Jesus is the good and great God who deserves worship and love, and He actually deserves to be the one that rules over my life. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're willing to say, I submit myself to Him, for Him to govern over my life. Now, friends, isn't it easy to say Jesus is my Savior? We'll say that really confidently. Hey, Jesus is my Savior. He saved me from my sin. You know, He died on the cross for me. But are you courageous and convicted enough to confess that Jesus is Lord over your life too? See, the Christian faith, while God chooses us, it also takes us to respond, acknowledging Jesus is our God, that He's worthy of our worship. It's not just lip service. See, the reason why Paul needs to state this so explicitly here is because for Israel, their understanding of righteousness came from doing the law. And Paul's argument throughout Romans is that no one can fulfill the law perfectly, but Christ has. It's only through Christ that we'll be saved. It's not, by our, it's not based on our works. It's, based, it's not based on what we do, but it's based on what has been done in Jesus. He is Lord. He was raised from the dead to save us from sin. Now, here's the thing. I meet a lot of people, right, all the time who say they're Christians because they believe in God. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. And, and they'll pay this lip service. But can I be honest? That's a good start and all. Great. We should believe in God. But is that alone what it means to be a Christian? Being a Christian, think about what the word, the, the word, it's, it's Christian, 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 Christ, you know, Christ is in the word, Christian, isn't it? Uh, and so the question really, yeah, I believe in God, but do you follow Christ? Do you call him Lord? There's a lot of religions that believe in God, a God. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you call him Lord? Is Jesus the God you follow? Do you believe in your heart that in your life, uh, that, that his life, death and resurrection has saved you from sin? Friends, being a Christian isn't about just family tradition. It isn't about how you believe that there's an idea, that there's a God who created the world. Yeah, that's part of it. But the very heart of belief is the God-man, Jesus, who died on a cross so that your sin, my sin, could be taken away. If you don't believe that essential truth, are we really Christians, Christians, right? Now, there's actual content. There's knowledge that's needed for us to believe in. I hear people call God the big man upstairs. Have you ever heard someone say that? Oh, yeah, I believe in the big man upstairs, right? And, and that's slang, right? But a slang term for God. A Christianity is so much more than the big man upstairs. If, if we just believe in the big man upstairs, that's just like saying we believe in the flying spaghetti monster, like the atheists think. It's, it's like a figment of our imagination. But really, Christianity is about a real man who was divine the Son of God who lived and died on a real Roman cross and was truly resurrected from the dead and appeared before hundreds of people began, began a movement that has led us to being here today. You see, our faith isn't some shallow thing. It involves us wrestling with truths about who God is, who Jesus is, and what He accomplished on our behalf so we could have life, so we could have access to God Himself. What does it look like to be one of God's people then? To be God's elect, to have the Spirit of God's uh, dwell in us, to God's Spirit to dwell in us, having a real and living faith in Jesus. Okay? That's where it starts. Yeah, chapter 9, you know, God knows and elects His people, but from our, from our perspective, from our position, we have to make a real active decision to trust Jesus. One that can confess Jesus is Lord with our mouths and for our hearts to be convicted of that truth. It'll take knowledge. And the more we read the Bible and, and soak ourselves in the gospel, it will transform our hearts. We'll be convicted. 
we'll discover God's love for us. We'll discover we've been rescued from sin. We'll we'll discover that our guilt and shame and the brokenness that we feel has been taken away. God has, Jesus has defeated death. He reigns supreme and we call him Lord. And when that truth sinks so deeply, it overflows into praise. It does overflow to our lips. You see, this whole idea of believing in our hearts and confessing from our mouths, that's just too... They're not two separate ideas. They're they're two sides of the same coin. It's the idea that we believe Jesus is our Lord. He's not trying to say, say it out loud, confess it out loud, and then you're a Christian. He's not trying to say that, is he? He's not saying, say say Jesus is Lord. All right, now you're a Christian. He's not saying that, is he? Just because you can confess. It's not some magical incantation, magic spell, Jesus is Lord. Say that ten times, you'll be saved. That's ridiculous. That's not saving faith. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Okay, I'm saved now. That's not how it works here. He's saying it's two, these two things are one and the same. Our hearts need to be convicted of this truth and it will be shown through the way we confess it with our lips. Jesus is Lord. So friends, you are, we all have to ask our hearts these questions. If you do think he is Lord, what could possibly compare? What else are we worshipping in life? Are we worshipping our families? Are we worshipping our marriages? Are we worshipping our money, our jobs, our the alcohol, the sex, early retirement, our investments, our holidays? Are we worshipping our comfort? These are the gods, aren't they? The gods of contemporary, uh, our contemporary world. Isn't that what our friends are worshipping? But to know Jesus and believe Jesus as Lord, we have to make real active decisions on our life. Because here's the thing, if we're not willing to put, us out at, put, us, put aside our comfort and our worldly pursuits for the sake of Christ, is he really Lord over your life? You know, when people come to me and say, Mike, I think I'm, I'm ready to be a Christian. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and was raised again. I say, is he Lord over your life? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. That's what it looks like to follow him. Jesus himself says, take up my cross and follow me. To follow him in loving God and, and loving others and loving our world. That's God's commands for us. And to be jo- have that joyful response in salvation when we've received Christ. That's conviction, isn't it? So last week, a lot of people were, were, were wondering, how do I know I'm one of God's saved people then? How do I know I'm chosen? Well, here it is. If you're asking yourself that question, do I believe I'm saved? Well, do you believe that Jesus is your Lord? If you can say yes to that, then yeah. So at the heart of the gospel, being a Christian isn't about what we do. It's not about the title, but about who we trust with our hearts. Now, that's conviction. And the Christian knows with that conviction that the call to come to know God is available to all. The call is available to all, right? So the Christian is someone who speaks the truth to others, and the Christian has been called by God, uh, believes that the call is also available to all people. So God uses his people. Let's keep reading um, from verse 12. Chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Man, how beautiful is that God actually uses his people to be instruments of mercy to bring the good news of the gospel to to, to people around the good news of Jesus to people around in our world to all people 
This verse 12 here, here, like there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, the same Lord is Lord of all. That's the reason why you and I are here today. We aren't Jews. We're, 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 we'd be classified as Gentiles, non-Jews. Uh, we, we, we get to know the same God, though, because He's Lord of all. He invites us all to call on Him. Isn't that so generous? Isn't that so lavish? It's not just for this one little nation in the Middle East. It extends to all cultures, all races, all people. Look around the room. The invitation is for, for, for Australians and Koreans and Chinese and Vietnamese and all these different nations that we have in this room that we're representing here. He richly blesses us and includes us in His promise. He richly, it's rich because we get life. We get eternal life. That's the blessing. That's far better than being blessed with, with financial riches or new toys. This richly blessed is we're blessed with life eternally with Him forever. Being blessed with joy and peace and security. And that truth should blow our minds. Because for centuries, that promise was only for Jews. But the promise has been extended to us. He's invited us to be part of his family now. You and I are here because of his sovereign grace for us in being able to call on the name of our Lord Jesus. But guess what? It's not just about us. It's about others too. If the offer is for all, we have to bring the call to all, don't we? For them to believe like we believe, they need to hear. For them to hear the word, that needs to be preached to them. For the word to be preached, it's going to take Christians like you and I, Christ followers who are convicted, who confess with their lips. It'll take you and me to tell them about this message. It's a message that needs to be heard. That's what it says. Saving faith isn't some mystical, magical thing that just from, from touching a Bible with the message inside it, you'll, you'll be saved. It actually comes from responding to the message that's heard, understood, and felt. We need to communicate it. That's what he's saying. We need to be courageously bringing the message without shame or fear to help people see that their souls lie in the balance. Now, I know the temptation is to, oh, let's just bring them to church and the pastor can do all the work. The pastor can preach, and, 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 but, you know, that's f fine, but the word here is heralding. We herald the good news. Like, like uh, uh, who grew up in Sydney? The Sydney Morning Herald. Do you know why it's called that? Because that idea of heralding is the newspaper, like it's, it's transmitting news to people. It's like that's, you know, on the streets, people going around giving news to people. Normal people on the streets transmitting that, making announcements about it. So what would that look like today, heralding the good news? It, it, well, it looks like where the people, let's go to the streets. Well, let's go online instead because no one's on the streets. Let's go you know, onto our social media accounts, our YouTube videos. Let's use our voices. And when the opportunity arises, let's make much of Jesus. It's not just about the pastor preaching a sermon. Heralds are people like you out there in your offices during your lunch breaks during in your friendship groups in your social clubs sharing this good news it's about being local missionaries about the word is evangelizing here if you're new to church evangelism means gospel sharing we're an evangel evangelical church we're gospel believing and we do evangelism where we share the gospel and we read these verses in romans 10 what we read is really about evangelism isn't it it's about uh, it, it's necessary to seeing people saved. We get to be part of that. 
God uses us to be part of that, but we have to have the courage to speak about our faith. Friends, do you have courage? Do you believe, are you convicted of this? Are you willing to herald it, to preach about it? You don't need to preach like I do, right? Like I'm here giving a half an hour talk to you guys. But it might, be, it might look like sharing your life about how Jesus has worked in your life. It might, be, it might look like how uh, you, you, you talk about how, how the truth of the gospel changes the way you see things. It's also all those little ways that you can weave in the gospel into your everyday conversation. Friends, find ways to express your faith. Find ways, find those opportunities, use those opportunities. And as we do that, it will involve conversation. It will involve persuasion even. I truly believe we need to engage in conversation. Not just send a YouTube video, hey, watch this video and tell me what you think. We need to talk about it too. Help people to truly understand the gospel. For, for, for them to hear it, just like we've heard it, we need to contextualize it. We need, to under, we need to help them understand it. We need to know them, their desires, and how the gospel intersects with their lives. We want them to really hear it, not just think that they've heard it and say, okay, it's not for me, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not interested. We have to ask them questions. Because here's the reality, when people hear about Christianity, already they're hearing their preconceptions. It goes through their minds, okay, I know what Christianity is. The media portrays Christianity all the time. I know it's, I know it's all about... It's not about love, it's all about hate and it's about whatever. The movies portray Christians and they're labeled as lame and irrelevant, right? The Christians are the nerdy ones in the movies. What we need to do though is have real conversations with them so they can truly hear about who Jesus is and why we think he is Lord over our lives. I I get it, you guys want to just palm off the responsibility to the church pastor or to leaders, but I want to challenge you. Really consider this, equip yourself. Be confident in the gospel. It's okay if you don't know all the answers, that's fine. But at least be prepared, prepared to share the gospel with your friends, who Jesus is, and explain to them why you believe in Him. And to be courageous enough to go the next step, saying that they can know Jesus too. Friends, let's be sent out. Uh, as your pastor, I want to send you out. Part of my role here is to equip you guys with the knowledge of the gospel so you guys have that in your head and in your heart so then you can feel confident and courageous enough to go out and tell people about Jesus. Christ, not only do I send you, Christ sends you. He has sent you and me into our cafes, into our gyms, into our clubs, into our teams, our classes, our offices, our clinics. You might have a lot of followers on, on, on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and God gives you that because he wants you to be a voice to them, to be courageous enough to, to bring the message of Jesus to them, just like our, our friend Haley in, in Japan. What if you were sharing Jesus, um, what, would, what would it look like if you were sharing Jesus with people in Brisbane? What would that look like? What if you were open to letting God lead you to send you to other places around our country? You're open to letting God send you to other places around our world. Even what if you ended up in Japan alongside Haley, bringing the gospel to people? Would you be open to that? Wherever you are and wherever he'll send us, this is what it says, your feet, my feet, are the beautiful feet that bring good news. Sounds weird, doesn't it? A bit weird. You'll have beautiful feet. But there is a beauty, isn't there? There's a beauty when God uses his people to bring good news. Why? Well, it's because we bring a message of life, of joy, of truth, of salvation. 
a message that when others receive it, they'll know love, they'll know peace, they'll know freedom that can't be found anywhere else except in God. God uses us to be bearers of good news, not bad news, it's good news. Don't you want to be that person to bring good news to someone? Jesus has died and was raised again so we could have life. Isn't that amazing news? Amazing news that you'd want to share with others. Because the flip side of that is that there's also an eternity without God's love and joy and peace and freedom that many have to face when we reject Jesus. And I know deep down, none of you want that for any of, our, of your loved ones, your family, your friends. You wouldn't even wish that upon the stranger on the bus. There's a call for all to hear the message of the gospel in Jesus. But it requires you and I to have courage, to be convicted, and to bring the call of Christ to all. Now, if you're here and you're, and you're not a believer yet, you're here seeking out truth, this invitation, this call is for you as well. You're invited to know God. There's a reason you're here today. You can have a real and living relationship with Him. It says to those who call on His name, they are saved. You can do that. You can call on His name. You don't need me. You don't need a priest to confess to. Some, you don't need some sort of special ritual to become a Christian. God actually invites you to come to Him, even in your own privacy, to pray to Him and to trust Him. You can do that to depend on Him, to be willing to give your life up for Him and to let Him be your Lord over your life. And when you do, man, I'm not kidding, your life will never be the same. It'll be better. And I'm not trying to sell snake oil here. It's going to be better. It's going to be awesome. It won't be perfect. There'll be still hard times. There'll be challenges and struggles. Being a Christian means all your problems aren't going to go away tomorrow, honestly. I've been a Christian for 17 years. And honestly, I, I can tell you, it gets harder and harder. But at the same time, I have a deeper and deeper joy and security and peace that I wouldn't have without Jesus, if not for Jesus. There's a comfort that only God can give me and you when we have to face the winds and the waves in this life. And for the rest of us, do you see it? God is sovereign, yes, in saving us. He does the work in changing our hearts and He calls us to Him. But do you see our responsibility to believe in Jesus, to bring the call to others? Man, I could sum it up like this. To love Jesus, love each other, and to love our world. You know, it really is that, isn't it? To live out our faith and to bring that message of good news in Jesus to others. I want to ask you a question as we finish up. Who was it that brought the good news to you? Who was it uh, that was courageous enough to talk about Jesus with you? Who was it that invited you to church for the very first time? Who was it that, was, uh, that, that wanted you, that loved you enough to tell you about Christianity? I don't know about you, but I think a lot, right? I'm a deep thinker. I go through existential crises all the time, and I think to myself, how did I end up here? Why am I here? And I, it's usually when I'm on the toilet or in the shower, how did I end up here? What am I doing here? Uh, <laughs> and like in this moment, right? How did I end up in this place, in this line of work, in this marriage, in this family, with these friends? And I look around on Sunday mornings and I look at all you and I think, uh, who are these people? How did they end up here? And why am I here? And, and I didn't know a lot of you six years ago, five years, four, three, two. You know, last, in the last few months, I just met you. What the heck is going on? What if I made one different decision in the past? Where would I be today? 
what if I decided to, to turn left instead of right? What if I hung out with a different crowd in high school, right? What if I studied a different degree in uni? What if I decided to marry someone else? What if I didn't have that car accident when I was 17 that made me want to go to church the next day? I have these moments in my head that go on all the time. And in those moments, I have to tell myself, I have to realize something. Actually, I'm here today because God led me here. That was all God's plan. Even if I made a mess of my life in the past, God allowed that to happen to lead me to this point. God gave me a a mom who wanted me to know God as a kid, to have a sister who told me about Jesus in the height of my depression when I was 16 years old. God brought me to a church when I was 18 who genuinely wanted me to know about the Jesus in the Bible. All these people were living out God's call for them. I am where I am because God did it. And I, with my own limited understanding of everything, made decisions to follow Jesus and respond to God's invitation. How did you end up here? Think back. Was it a teacher, maybe? Was it a parent? Was it a sibling? Was it a friend, a colleague at work, a friend at uni? Sure, some of us stumbled upon Christianity because you clicked on a link and you go, oh, this is interesting, I want to find out more. Some of us, it was forced upon you. Sure, when you were a kid, you went to a Christian school, not because of Jesus, but because your parents believed it would be a better education and you learned about Jesus then and you wanted to find out more. But at some point, someone was willing and courageous enough to at least help you get to know about Jesus. I mean, even if you're not a believer here, you were led here because at least, at the very least, a friend recommended it, right? Who was it? And think about you, if you're a Christian, how grateful are you for them? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? These are real people. Real people that God called and God has used as instruments of mercy in your life. They played their role. That's how God designed it. That's how He's planned it out. People living out the very responsibility and response to being saved. And that includes you and I as well. Friends, let your convictions be your courage. I don't know how Greta Thunberg get, can, can rebuke a world leader, a teenager, get up in front of a big forum and tell politicians that they're acting like children. Man, that would take guts. I'd be, I'd be terrified of that. But I can bet you anything that she can do it because she's so convicted of the truths that she has that she can't not speak up about it. Are you convicted of the truth that Jesus died and was raised again to save us? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord and that message is worth telling anyone and everyone about? Because friends, the house is on fire. The crisis already exists. Will we play our role under God to bring the message of salvation to others? Let's pray.